Hello, welcome. It's review of the year time. We've done this Every five year. years, four years. That accounts for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It accounts for a load of episodes. This is a tradition. It's our fifth year. Hmm. Fifth year doing this, is it? 2016, 17, 18. Yeah, yeah you, I keep right. making this mistake. You're doing it now. 2016 <laughs> was the first one. This is our fifth ever review of the year special, except we split them in half. So it's actually our ninth. Eighth. <laughs> oh, this and is next the eighth. week will be our ninth. Next week will be ninth. <laughs> there we go. Right. Review of the year 2020. This week and next week, we are going to be going through our episodes of Diminishing Returns are supposed to tie into upcoming releases, generally speaking. So every time we do a review of the year episode, we then have a chat about the film we were tying our episode into. With it being 2020, mm. most of those new releases got delayed and haven't come out yet but we still have a lot of stuff to talk about remarkably uh, as you will hear so i'm sol joining me as always is alan hello and as is tradition for christmas review of the year festive holiday season times we are joined by calvin <laughs> hello that's all i am at this point isn't it tradition like the <laughs> manky you know uh, whatchamacallit slip uh, sock that you put by the fireplace <laughs> every year relentlessly Oh, but Christmas is done now, actually, isn't it? We should be taking all these things down. No, this no. one will be going out on the 21st. Yeah. Oh, happy we're Christmas, everyone. Yeah, we're straddling, we're straddling Christmas this, this year. We're doing it a bit different. Normally, we do these yeah, like, after I've, Christmas, but... The reason is, coming to America got pushed back. Um, That's we, we it. We had a week free and everything got pushed up. Yeah. So blame Eddie Murphy. Blame 2020 in general. I've just heard that the King's... Uh, what's it called? The King's Man has been pushed back again, so so our Kingsman oh 2 episodes getting delayed again. So you guys on Wait, Patreon, oh. you're so lucky to have that so early. It's a good episode, that one. I'm looking forward to it going out. It's going to be so outdated when it eventually goes out. <laughs> uh, uh... Well, we start the episode talking about how unbearably hot it is when we're recording. So <laughs> <laughs> 2020, it's been a weird one. But before we get into that... <laughs> putting it mildly, but uh, yes... Uh, let's just pick up a bit of business from the previous Review of the Year episode we did. Uh, Review of the Year 2019 Part 2. We, basically due to the film coming out and recording times, we weren't able to chat about Cats, the God-defying, uncanny valley, just piece of disturbing... I, I mean, it, it was just... Well, play the clip, Alan. <laughs> So, Sol, we were obviously very excited about the release of Cats, and uh, it hasn't gone down well, has it, with the general public? No. <laughs> no. One of the biggest busts in recent memory, I think. Oh, God, it's it's lost a lot of money, and it, it projected to... On IMDb at the moment, it's rated 2.8 out of 10, which is... And... And uh, very significantly, it is on the bottom rated movies of all time list on IMDb, number 36. Yeah. Which is, you know, you you don't. to go extreme at the beginning, doesn't it? Yeah, but you you don't make that bottom 100 list easily. It is a bold film. For its many, many faults, I was never remotely bored for the uh, nearly two hour runtime. (laughs) 
Okay. It was utterly captivating in a sense. As bad as this film is, like, what more can you do with this pro- this well, I, p- this property? Like, it's a nonsense thing. I, like, I agree. How I, was it ever? I a think thing it's. In the first place? I think it's arguably quite a good adaptation of a shitty stage show. It does feel a bit like a film where every time there was a creative decision to be made, Tom Hooper made the inverse, like the exact opposite to the correct decision <laughs> as to how to approach filming it. I mean, I tr- well and truly, I I would love, I would love to see Cats two directed by David Lynch, and I think he'd do it. <laughs> the acting was bizarre, wasn't it? Because yeah, I mean, that, well, that just varied from person to person. Some of them were utterly appalling. This Some of them the were thing. quite good. Francesca Haywood, she's a yeah. ballet dancer. They she's plucked a da- out for the that, film, you know, and obviously that shows. There's big, there are some dance numbers. She. She's pulling the same exact facial expression, which is this kind of look of wonder in every shot. But I think that's what Tom Hooper wanted her to do. And she she does a good job of it. And I have to say, the original song that was written for the film, uh, Beautiful Ghosts, I'd only heard the Taylor Swift version before this film. And the memories were lost long ago But at least you have beautiful ghosts. And I thought, wow, what a piece of absolute shit. <laughs> and then when Francesca Haywood started to sing it in the film, I was like, oh. And the memories were lost long ago. But at least you have beautiful ghosts. That's actually quite nice. There's a bit of personality to that. So I think Taylor Swift's actually just shit. No, well, it's just pop, isn't it? That's different to musical theatre. But but that. then you know Taylor Swift is in the film and and her performance of she does McCavity, I think. I get she's terrible. He sways his head from side to side with movements like a snake, and when you think he's half asleep, he's always wide awake. She's absolutely terrible. Because that's a song that needs a real bit of power behind it. It needs that kind of macavity, macavity. Like, it needs a bit <laughs> of, like, oomph to it. But instead, she's just bland pop. So she just does macavity, mac-, like, hits the notes, but it's just utterly... And that's what her beautiful ghost is. So, Taylor Swift, I don't think you're very good. No. But this, I mean, I've not really dealt with Taylor Swift much before, and I'm just yeah. not impressed. Not impressed with most of the cast. James Corden was every bit of shit as I was expecting. <sighs> but, I mean, he just he just forgot he was in a film half the time, didn't he? He, was, he forgot to ad-lib in character. Yeah. He's playing well, Buster exactly. for Jones, and he's doing he's doing, hello, I'm Buster for Jones. And then he'll kind of turn to Simon and go, well, that's not gonna work, is it? And it's like, well, hang on, are you like an old army general, or are you just a fat cunt? Was he? Because, <laughs> I, I mean, I think I know which one, but which one are you trying to present as? Was he? And that's another thing. Was it two months ago? One month ago? It wasn't very long ago that on the Late Late Show, James Corden uh, did a big, empowering speech that went viral because Bill Mayer had slated fat people. And then James Corden was like, no, making fun of people for being fat, it's just bullying. It's bullying and it's uncalled for. And he did this whole thing and everyone applauded and it went viral. You know, James Corden stands up against fat shaming. Uh, but then he's perfectly happy to take a, you know, however much money check to uh, 
Uncle Tom his way through this role, wasn't he? He's fucking eating, eating. That's all he does. Oh, I'm fat. I'm a fat cat. I'm falling over. Oh, I can't fit in the bin. I'm eating. Although, of course, maybe, you know, maybe they just left the cameras rolling in between takes and use some of the some of the b-roll of him trying to eat a, a fiberglass lobster i mean I've, i'm i'm not i don't really hate james corden that much i think he's got a place but it's not here i i hate james corden but i do think he is a talented actor but this is not a good performance from him uh jennifer hudson was decent but again like it was a it was like a parody of the Anne Hathaway scene that yeah. won her an Oscar in Les Miserables. It was like, look, Tom, I get what you're going for, but it's a cat. It doesn't work. Yeah. And we don't have the backstory. We, yeah, haven't, we haven't followed this character Because it's through... just a character dropped in, like, oh, and here's three lines to explain her backstory. It's just Jennifer Hudson dressed up as a cat crying while she sings. And that doesn't at least make her look like a smelly old homeless cat. Hmm. But she just looked like the same as all the other cats. <laughs> So yeah. the story doesn't even fucking work. The the visual <laughs> effects, it's obvious this was a film rushed out to meet a deadline, which it was. And it's obvious the visual effects were compromised to meet a deadline. It was shit though. Like all all art direction aside, like nightmare fuel creepy faces aside, like there were times where it looked like the face mapping wasn't quite in time with the bodies like the face was moving slightly <laughs> differently in relation to the bodies and the bit with the little mouse children and the cockroaches in particular it, it just looked like after effects mm. it looked like a youtube comedy sketch with like good visual effects for a youtube comedy sketch but that isn't good <laughs> enough for a multi-million dollar hollywood movie it why, was shocking why were the mice so small and and the might I mean, my God, I mean, talk about setting the tone early on. That Rebel Wilson song up front, she goes into a cupboard and there's a load of human children with their faces mapped onto little tiny mice bodies. And then they keep popping up throughout the film and like being knocked over. And every time they not get knocked over, they're going, oh, blimey, and just like falling over, which... To be fair, I found very funny, but I don't know what they were trying to achieve. And then an army of cockroaches come out with human faces marching. It's the trippiest fucking thing I've ever seen. The effects are appalling again. And then, as if that wasn't enough, Rebel Wilson stands up and unzips her skin and takes her skin off. And underneath she has the same fur, but with a dress on. What the fuck? I think and then later on, the there's a dog thing. trying to get in a door. And I was, I genuinely did a little prayer. I was like, oh my God. Please let the dog stick its head round and it's a human head on a dog's body. <laughs> Please let it be like Hugh Laurie as a dog. And then he just goes. But sadly, we never see the dog. Who was your favourite cat, Alan? Uh... Mine was probably Bumberclat, the, uh, the bakery cat. <laughs> Fip Fizzlewitz was a good one. The candy shop cat. The sweet shop cat. It's British. <laughs> Johnny Bags. Uh, I like Fuckboy. What? <laughs> Fuckboy, the um, the Tinder cat. <laughs> Overall, what, rating. What, what did you think? Well and truly, I think this is the weirdest film ever made. With like, I'm not just saying that like off the cuff. I cannot think of a stranger film 
like obviously there's superficially there's like art house movies that are fucking weird but just in terms of like a project that's so baffling on every level to make its way through the studio system but i think that i think that's worth something you know i've got to give it some credit how much credit I give it a three out of ten. It's <laughs> a lot of credit. Well, yeah. it's just like there's no fucking story, and there's you know big long extended dance sequences, and like if you're watching a stage production, there's something to be said for watching a whole load of you know dancers doing a choreographed piece. But when you're watching a load of like professional dancers being shot and then CGI'd awkwardly onto canvas together and it it's not quite as impressive, is it? Um I was a little bit more generous than you. I gave it a four. Okay. Alright, that was cats. Uh and I should probably explain if if this is really confusing people. Uh we have a thing over on Patreon. If you want to head to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash dim returns. Uh, we put out little diminisodes, which are us uh, reviewing the films that we've seen typically and some other bits and pieces. Uh, and instead of just talking about all these movies again, what we've done is the same as last year. We have edited down our diminisodes to be under 10 minutes apiece so that this episode isn't too long. And we are giving you a little clip that kind of covers how we felt about it in brief. Mm. But if you want the full versions, it's going to cost you a dollar a month. You get a little taste for free, and then we jack up the price. Yeah, yeah. I had to cut out all the fun little tangents where we're just joking around. Like It's just down to business in these edited versions. It's just straight in, straight out. And that's a shame with Cats, because Cats is just... What the fuck was that? Calvin, have you seen Cats? No, I haven't. Um, I, I, I do have an aversion to James Corden, like to a, to a, such a strong extent that even the morbid fascination of seeing cats, his presence, I just I can't do it. I'm not I'm not even watching a movie that Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, and Andrew Rennells are all in together. Because yeah, I watched him. that last night, and he ruined it. Yeah, yeah, and I I just can't. I love those three other people, and I'm so annoyed that he's in it because I can't enjoy it now. I can't believe that the three of them are in a film together. In that clip, I believe I did just call James Corden a fan. Cunt, so I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. He is like one of the few He's people awful. who, like, I, I genuinely can't see him like I on know, a screen. I, yeah. it, 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 he just annoys me so much absolutely everything mm. about him is irritating and insincere <laughs> i think yeah. he's a really oh completely yeah, i just can't stand him anyway cats is baffling and i mean i kind of want to see it again because it's just the most baffling terrifying piece of shit it, it's it's pure so bad it's good territory it really is Right, that's 2019 signed off. <laughs> At the start of 2020, uh, we did an episode about Bad Boys because they were doing a new one, Bad Boys for Life. That came Bad out. Boys for Life. We went to see it. I'm guessing you didn't uh, go to see that one, Calvin? Nope. Nope. I think um, <laughs> traditionally Calvin hasn't seen any of the films and I think this year he's, he's going to have seen a lot more <laughs> of them <laughs> than usual. Because yes. they've, exactly, they've all been going to like on demand and stuff, but... Uh, the start of the year, there was no coronavirus pandemic, and so. Oh well, not not in not uh, in our country. In the UK, anywhere. yes, yeah, yes. true, true. Sorry, that was very Anglo-centric of me. Yes. Um. So, if you wanted to go see Bad Boys, you had to go out your house and go to the cinema, and it's probably going to be better than the other two, isn't it? Because it's not directed by Michael Bay. 
I'd say it's about as good as the first one. I prefer no. the second one personally. I think Alan preferred no. the first one, but didn't like it as much as the first one. Yeah, is that right? I don't know. Is that right? Let's hear the clip. Uh, Bad Boys for Life, Bad Boys Three, the long-awaited sequel to Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two. That they've really dragged these out, haven't they? <laughs> when was the second one? Two thousand three, ninety-five, two thousand three, twenty twenty. But it's been, it's quite nice, really. I think it's nice that you've seen them at a different age, and they're and they're very much leaning into that. Yeah, yeah. So the the basic plot is, you know, Martin Lawrence is too fat to be a, to be a high high octane cop anymore, but Will Smith's still going for it. Uh, that's the sort of conflict between them. But the big thing is that spoiler alert: Mike Lowry, bulletproof cop, Mike, Mike Lowry, played by Will Smith, gets shot, nearly dies. There's this big kind of thing where he might be dead, even though he's the lead in the film, so obviously he's not. Well, he's he's also incredibly expensive, so you know. So they might have made it the Martin Lawrence. Kill him off in the first twenty minutes, yeah. <laughs> and then basically there's some people trying to kill him as well as some other some sort of revenge plot. It develops into a whole thing. I mean, I don't think we need to focus on the plot too much. Well they didn't. <laughs> hey. Well, I was just gonna say, did you, did you feel it it worked? On that level, like as a plot? <sighs> I mean, it felt about on par with Bad Boys, didn't it? I mean, it felt very heavy-handed towards the end when they're reaching for emotional resonance with the family element. It felt a little bit forced and not quite yeah. in keeping keeping in character with Mike Lowry. Yeah. It, felt, it felt like we were having we haven't we had to kind of create a whole bit of history for him that we never knew about that didn't quite yeah. play. Yeah, that was. I didn't need any of that. I mean, it was... Yeah, I didn't really like the plot and the villains. It all felt like just bullshit. Yeah, and like the main villain's a witch and stuff. It's really kind of weird. They've gone for this kind of weird, like, Dio de las Muertes vibe about it. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely just felt out of place within this franchise. Can I I ask? um, I think you know more about the genre than I. Mm -hmm. When Beverly Hills Cop kind of mapped out this trilogy were they like referencing the tropes of like the buddy cop dynamic the silly like cop movie trilogy thing because bad boys it's like the exact same trajectory of like the first one's kind of low stakes comedy action the second one gets a bit more bigger and a bit bigger a bit more action focused and then the third one's this like weird darker thing where the chief of police gets killed. Kind of <laughs> avenge him. Um, I don't think it's a deliberate retreading of it. I think it's just the sort of the natural way of going with yeah. these things. You know, you need to you need to have some emotional punch. So you kill someone who's a big character but not the main character. You have a callback to. The kid, the fifteen-year-old kid who comes to date his daughter in now, the second film. <laughs> when when they got there and they turned round to the guy, I thought, God, he's a weird-looking actor. What a great <laughs> find! And then I thought, Hang on, that's the guy from the second film. Oh, that's a nice yeah. bit of continuity. Yeah, and it was yeah. a nice little gag. I really liked, I liked him it, popping yeah. up. But then we have the wedding, and they're like, "Man, I remember when you first." It was like, "All right, we we know." Like you don't have to tell us the. Scene that we watched well, in the second. Yeah, film. apparently they do. And, and then, then Michael also... Bay comes out and oh, starts 
MC, MC. Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> and then there's this bit weird moment where Will Smith gets wheeled up in the wheelchair and then stands up and he's, he's absolutely fine. Like, he doesn't need the wheelchair at all. It's like a Willy Wonka fake out. Yeah. Um, because he wanted to really get all the attention on someone else's wedding. Yeah. Um, bit of a knob. Um, yeah, Mike Lowry like goes into full kind of vengeance mode and, and really goes hardcore. And I complained about the second film that they went from being sort of bad boys to just really nasty cops. Um, and it kind of goes the same way here, but it feels a bit more uh, justified because it's personal. Well, that's the conflict as well of the film, isn't it? It's Will Smith's going down a dark path and Martin Lawrence doesn't want him to. trying to pull him back, yeah. So it's more balanced in that sense. But also Will Smith character i think is more justified because of the personal nature of it yeah. uh, so and then the other thing they're trying to do is, is like oh look here's some young police that they have to deal with yeah. and they've got technology and things and we're old school we just go and hit people with a spanner and see what happens now i don't i don't know if they're just setting them up for bad boys four but it kind of <sighs> felt like a bit of a desperate attempt to oh let's introduce these characters and they can do a and I'm not sure if it is that, but I do know that Bad Boys 4 is already in development. Is it? Yeah. Which is weird, because this did feel very much like a finite... It's the end of the Bad Boys trilogy. Well, it's the end of the Will Smith and Martin Lawrence show, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, be... and uh, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be, except it kind of does, because... I don't know, it's kind of weird if you just follow them 20 years on, like, again, and Martin Lawrence has basically retired anyway. And Yeah, what else are you going to do with it? He's, I mean, Martin Lawrence is barely in this film, frankly. He's uh, very oh, he much... A, well, not barely, but he's very much a supporting actor to Will Smith. You know, I, I feel like the no, previous I two films were much more of a equal pegging situation, whereas this is like... I didn't that feel he that He disappears for big chunks. Yeah, I guess you're right. There are bits where he's not in, but I didn't get a sense that he'd been demoted or anything. Mm. I mean, I must admit, I liked the film, basically. I think that <laughs> their chemistry still works. Uh, I like how they yeah. sort of aged them and let them age kind of respectably, as in Will Smith is still kicking ass because he's in good shape. You know, Martin Lawrence is not up for it anymore. I think that's in keeping with their characters as they're established. I think this is Will Smith's best best Filming role is. in a while, to be honest, isn't it? It's his best, <laughs> least embarrassing film for a while. Yeah, I think you saw you go back to the classics. I mean, that's why he finally did it, isn't it? And it seems to have Well, yeah, but that's it. It felt like a real, oh yeah, there's the Will Smith I remember there. Yeah. Give or take. I, I mean, I, for me, it was a step down from Bad Boys 2. Mm-hmm. Um, this felt kind of in line with the first Bad Boys, which was like, fine, whatever, generic action comedy nonsense. You know what I found out recently, Alan, about Bad what? Boys 2? I, uh, I don't know if I told you or not. Well, You know who uh, did some uncredited writing on it? Which well, I think if... I think this is why I like it. <laughs> well, if, if in that case, it's probably like Dan Harmon or someone like that. I mean, it's not that good. The film is much better. <laughs> Go on. Uh, no. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg did uh, an uncredited bit of punching up on the script, adding some gags in. They basically wrote jokes that were added into the film. I I do well and truly think that's probably why I like Mm. that one the most, because it does have a sense of humour that I kind of gel with. Yeah, I mean, Bad Boys 2 was a step down for me, ultimately. I I didn't like what they did with it. and uh, So this, this is improvement, as far as I'm concerned. 
Nah, other way around. Didn't Peaks quite in the middle, work. this trilogy. Peaks mm. in the middle. Up and then down again. Valleys in the middle, this trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> what did you rate? Put a number on it. Uh, six out of ten. I gave it a seven. Yeah, it's definitely... I mean, if you like the Bad Boys films, you're going to like it. It's, yeah. it's It's got everything you want. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a sort of horrible. Oh my God! What What are they doing? Look what's happened. To yeah, them. I, I. I think everyone was expecting something kind of crap. And, yeah, uh, it was. I must admit. Yeah, I thought it could have gone really badly wrong. They pulled it together. Bad boys, just like us. So the bad boys. We are. Uh, we podcast together. We die together. <laughs> We're gonna probably will just do this show until we die. There's <laughs> still like five hundred listeners a week. I'm looking forward to when we're old and Lois starts slagging off whatever the the latest thing is. What? What? Do you, what as if you don't do that already? <laughs> Every episode. <laughs> oh, superheroes! <laughs> shite. <laughs> yeah, but when you're agreeing with me, that'll be TikTok. Fun. What bloody fuck is TikTok? So, so some sort of clock app. <laughs> Bad boys. Uh, all right, then. <laughs> Fantastic segue. <laughs> it's going to edit down so well. You'll be really <laughs> impressed. Then the three of us had a big chat about Dr. Doolittle. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> Remember that? I really enjoyed that. So long ago. Yeah. I don't suppose you watched the end result, did you, Calvin? Oh, no. No. <laughs> I mean, I think Alan and I both agreed that it was just... I, one of those films where you go and watch it and you just think, like, with the amount of money and resources and everything put into this, it's just unforgivable that this isn't better. Yeah. It's a mm. total mess. But it wasn't, like, upsettingly awful. It was just such a load of nothing. None of it worked. Uh, I guess we should hear the clip. It was definitely poor. It yeah, poor. yeah, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. It, was... it wasn't one of the worst films I've ever seen. Well, that's it. it. It wasn't enough of a car crash to you know it, it, hot on the heels of cats mm-hmm. uh, it, you're never going to live up to that <laughs> uh, you know well they, they made a good start with um, <laughs> the fact that Robert Downey Jr. is affecting a, a Welsh accent which I had no idea well to expect was he doing that during filming because I it seemed like a know. lot of his dialogue was ADR by the looks of it um, I, I suspect that might that. be something. I, I suspect maybe he was trying to do it and then they had to clean it up because mm-hmm. it wasn't very... But I thought it, it, it ultimately the accent was pretty decent. I, I was alright with that. It, 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 it was took... just a bit distracting immediately. Yeah, it took a few lines before I figured out what exactly he was doing. And I guess it kind of was presumably because the character has to be British for this particular scenario to work, uh, and they didn't want it to just be Sherlock Holmes again. Yeah, could easily just be Robert Downey Jr. wanted to do a Welsh accent because he thought it sounded funny. I mean, I, I agree, it was not a bad Welsh accent, certainly better than I can do, but it did feel like that classic thing where the actors focused on getting the accent right and they can't <laughs> perform the actual acting. Well, like I say, I... Too I distracted. It, it, it really felt like a lot of that was ADR. First, in the earlier scenes, it felt like they were deliberately using edits that wasn't yeah. showing his mouth because they yeah, were yeah, so yeah. covering up so much. It was very, it was very breathy as well. It was, you mm, know, he wasn't yes. quite, 
he couldn't quite emote properly because he was doing that kind of like that. Yeah, I think that was a mistake. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't allow him much to, to do much with his voice in terms of emoting. Yeah, I also in terms of general complaints. Voice work, uh, actors playing animals, very bland. Not bad performances, Real, but just very bland well, voices. To be honest, some of them were pretty poor performances. Well, I'm not saying they were good, but they, they, the, my my point was that these are these are not character voices. They're not particularly interesting voices. Well, a lot of them were people who, you know, Craig Robinson could, you know, yeah, Kumail, exactly. Kumail Nanjiani. I love Kumail we've, Nanjiani. We've seen I've him do voice his, in Men I've Black sung his praises. Yeah. Uh, and, and in this, it genuinely sounded like one take. And then they were like, can we do another one? And he went, no, and like stormed out. <laughs> mm. But yeah, just total blandness. Like I wouldn't ever have been able to tell you that was Craig Robinson. You, you know, you should be able to identify that voice of all people. The, the other voice performance, vocal performance that I think worked was Jason Mantzoukas, who uh, you, of course, know from The Good Place, Alan. Which one was he? He played the dragonfly. Oh, yeah, that was, well, yeah, I'll grant you that was a good character voice and performance. Yeah. Hideously realised visuals on that character. and I think that character worked quite well in terms of a slightly wacky comedy thing that this film needed to go yeah. for. But his performance it, it was, uh, you know, bringing a lot of life and charm to it yes, in a way that yes. I think most people weren't. And, you know, I like I like him as an actor. He's funny. This film kind of suffers from the same thing we criticise the Dr. Doolittle uh, Eddie Murphy films for. And and this is probably a product of just trying to insert some humour in last minute after they've already shot the thing. But, yeah. you know, wa- walking down the street, I sure do like them fried potatoes. Just, <laughs> just, not, not even, like, up-to-date references, you know. Yeah. Not even, like, the last ten years. It's not like they walk down the street and the gorilla goes... Well, back Gangnam style and starts dancing, <laughs> but they do just take every opportunity. That fl- that dragonfly talks to some ants, and then the ants are there going, "Oh, you come to me on the day of my, <laughs> my daughter's wedding," and it's like, yeah. "Oh my god, we're doing this again." <laughs> I think they did this in the previous. I think they literally did this bit in the Eddie Murphy films. It's the second one where yeah, they're out in the country and there's a kind of gangsters. Group of animals, yeah. Yeah, it's like, good God, like, it's just, like, at least pick a different film. (laughs) Fucking. And there was, I mean, it had been cut to hell. I mean, there was so many bits that were just like, what was that? There was a bit where. Yeah, there's like a a subplot about how the gorilla's scared, and then Rob Danny Jr. goes, it's okay to be scared. And then the gorilla goes, it's okay to be scared. And that somehow means that he overcomes. A tiger trying to eat him, yeah, which is something to be like perfectly valid reason to be scared. I mean, that's what they're saying, like perfectly valid to be scared in a situation like that. But doesn't mean you jump into it. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that. Like, what's he learnt there? It's not like the gorilla was avoiding confrontation and scary situations because he got scared easily. Well, yeah, he seemed to have social anxiety. That was like he was scared of talking to someone at the door. Well, yeah. But I think what you're not getting, Sol, is that a gorilla, usually quite a confrontational and strong alpha male kind of character, and he wasn't. Do you see? Do you get it? Have you watched... There's there's a thing called um, Spy in the Wild or Spies in the Wild or something that I watched the other week, and it's, a, it's the funniest thing. They did one with a gorilla, and they dressed up the camera to look like a little gorilla, and then put it in with a load of gorillas, and the gorillas are running up to this terrifying 
uncanny valley gorilla <laughs> animatronic with a camera in its eye like the terminator <laughs> and it's like trying to like move it like at, to like communicate with them and they're like what the fuck is it and then one of the gorillas knocks it over and thinks they've killed it it's the watch it it's funny it's like a <laughs> hidden camera show but with animals <laughs> um so yeah, lots of little things that obviously should have been edited out and they never got round to it or whatever. Like there's a bit where you know they lose the ship and he's like, right, fine, I'm just going to set up shop here and and, and heal animals. Look, I'm I'm open to business. And it cuts to like a totally different shot of orangutan dancing, and it cuts back to him and he goes, oh, I can't help him. <laughs> and, that, and that was it. And I was like, what? And it was obviously wasn't shot in the same place or time or anything. Mm. Mm. Really weird. Um, what about Michael Sheen Ooh. as the kind of cackling villain who is going so big, silly character villain? It looked to me, all the stuff that was on the ship with him, you know, when he's chasing them, it was this really basic set, really simple stuff. I suspect all of that was reshot. It, yeah, it, it, I, I had a similar thought. Because there was loads of just gags that weren't really working for everything else. It, but like, he was putting so much more character into it. Not just that, but they, they all felt like gags that they'd come up with 15 minutes On before the, the cameras were rolling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes. Yes, exactly. It was weak, weak humour, weakly performed from Michael yes. Sheen, who I'm normally a big fan of. Actually. It was, it was I, cringy. Yeah, I felt like he was doing his best with, you know, the situation. Yeah. I, I, he was giving it a good go. Like, he was... They yeah. were obviously like, look, we need to go full-on wacky, like, you know, catch the pigeon thing here. Just go for it. It felt like just watching a, a comedian die on stage. Like, it felt like yeah. you go to watch your friend do stand-up comedy and he's <laughs> just dying on stage. It was just upsetting. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing was quite a lot of Emma Thompson narration as the parrot, oh, God, obviously yeah. filling yep, gaps. Yep, 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 yep. Like when before they meet the dragonfly, and they're, they're obviously there's obviously some big scene where they're running through the market, they're climbing up the side of the building, which we get through in a montage of about six seconds with Emma Thompson narration going. And so they had a bit of trouble, but they made it into the building, and then you go into the building. <laughs> it's like that is just awful. Like, don't even show us yeah. that. Just show them sneaking into the building, like last last bit. That you don't. Yeah. Oh, oh, like really, you could tell every painful cut. And, oh. Yeah. Very bland film. Mm. Mm. That's it. It wasn't. It wasn't completely terrible in that I could sit through it. Mm. Um, I think if I'd gone to see it at the cinema, I'd be a bit more annoyed by it. But yeah. it wasn't completely and utterly atrocious in that regard. But it was just all everything about it was done badly. I mean, it's, it's a very bad film. Yeah. But I, I suppose I'm just hesitant to act like it's the worst. One film of the worst made. films. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a, a misfire, no doubt. Well, how did oh, you massive, rate it? Massive misfire. Uh, I gave it four out of ten. I also gave it a 4 out of 10. Okay, uh, then then we had Oscar season, and mm. this still went ahead as as normal. I, I cannot wait for 2021's oh, gotcha, Oscars. 2021's Oscars is going to be something else, but uh, <laughs> 2020's Oscars were just normal. Parasite won, so I guess that wasn't quite normal. Uh, 1917. Do we, do we have any thoughts about that, or shall I just play our little clip where we discussed it? Yeah, just play the clip, man. Guys, I've been busy all day and I didn't look at the news, so I don't know what the fuck happened at the Oscars. Um, do you know a guy called Matthew A. Cherry? 
<laughs> no, don't think so. He people are making a huge thing. I, I think he's like an athlete, like a footballer or something in America. Football. But I don't really know. But people are making a huge thing out of out of it because he won uh, best animated short film at the Oscars, and he tweeted it like four years ago something like. Hey, any 3D artists out there want to hit me up? I got an Oscar-worthy <laughs> short film idea. Uh, let's collaborate. And he like retweeted it with "nailed it," and <laughs> all these other tweets from him are coming out from like four years ago, where he's just like, "I'm gonna win an Oscar one day." Mm, and all these people are, are acting like, "Wow, what? Like visualize it. You can make it happen." And to me, it just makes me think, "What a prick." <laughs> Well, I think fair play. I mean, I do. If he's a top football player, that means he's a multi, multi, multi millionaire, which does help. Oh, yeah, I the mean, creative process. You know how easy it would be if I <laughs> if I was a footballer with loads of money and people follow me on Twitter, and I can go, I've had an idea for an Oscar-winning short film. <laughs> Who wants to make it for me? Didn't Kobe easy. Bryant do that? He did. He did. Yeah. That's one of the few categories that I've actually got an opinion on as well. I would have given the Oscar to Kitball. I thought that was much better than Hair Love. But... Really? Yep. I was pretty disappointed. Toy Story 4 went uh, and won the Best Animated Feature oh, Award. Mm. Which, is, well, it's not a surprise. It was the favourite to win. It was not good, and, though, was it? Well, I, I thought it was alright. Yeah, but, well, you were wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> I just thought it was a shame because I really thought it would have been nice to have an upset for I Lost My Body or Claws, Klaus. Mm. Uh, even though I prefer Toy Story 4 to that film, I just feel like I'd rather recognise the work that went into that film. Hey, Calvin, you watched and, you I know. Lost My Body, didn't you? Yes, I did. I, I loved it. That would have been yeah my... Uh, well, I would have preferred that to win over Toy Story 4, which I'm kind of with you on, Alan. I thought it was quite... Well, not poor, but uh, so no point in making just, it. I think it's that classic thing of the people haven't watched any of the other films yeah. and just go, oh, Toy Story 4. Oh, if I got, I got very snappy with someone at work today, and I probably should have watched my tone a bit more, but <laughs> all these people were chatting about the Oscars around me, and I got up to make a cup of tea, and this person went, oh, well, Toy Story 4 won the kids category. That was the first thing that pissed oh. me off, her calling it the kids category. <laughs> and then she went, but you know what? It was the best of a bad bunch, to be honest. Bad bunch of nominations. Frozen 2 wasn't even nominated. And uh, I just stepped just... to go, Frozen 2? And it was full on Alan Partridge finger wagging. <laughs> Frozen 2 was shite. <laughs> and... But then, but it's just that classic thing of like, I know she hasn't watched any of them apart from Toy Story 4. Yeah. I think it's actually been a really good category this year, a really good batch of nominations. I Lost My Body was fantastic. Claws was fantastic. Missing Link I actually really enjoyed. The fact that Frozen 2 wasn't there, when it normally would just get on because it's Disney, I thought was really great. So Anyway, come on, what else has happened? Stop talking about animation. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm going to skip all the boring shit, yeah, sound yeah. mixing yeah, yeah, and okay. all that crap. No one cares. Uh, cinematography, 1917. 1917. No surprises. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Best adapted screenplay, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I mean, that is arguably the best of a bad bunch. What is it adapted um, from? It's adapted from, uh, I think it's a graphic novel. It's a graphic It feels like a graphic Yeah, okay. Caging Skies, uh, apparently. I mean, I would have gone with Little Women, personally, but as long as the Joker didn't win, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, Parasite won original screenplay, which seemed to bamboozle loads of people. I don't think that was that surprising, honestly. Um, yeah. The, the favourite was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but oh, fuck that. I think even people like myself who like that film largely would agree that it's something of a mess and <laughs> not Tarantino's best work. 
Bong Joon-ho won for Parasite as Best Director, which was a surprise. Um, I think the Parasite backlash is going to begin now, guys. <laughs> I'm not being funny. Like, I, I, It's fine. But like the technical achievement of Sam Mendes directing 1917 was remarkable. I really don't think there's anything about Parasite's direction that is anything special. It's just, it's like, it's good, but it's just very functional. Fair um, enough. Laura Dern won Supporting Actress. No surprises there. Well-deserved. Uh, yeah. My favourite of the you liked bunch, her, yeah. I think. Actually, Margot Robbie might have been my favourite out of those, but I'm happy for Laura Dern to win that. She's She was very good. Uh, Brad Pitt won Supporting Actor. Again, no real surprises there. Mm. I was kind of hoping Tom Hanks would steal it away. but I didn't, I didn't like... I didn't... Well, I didn't... I don't think that's particularly award-worthy, but I think that's a bit of a lifetime achievement thing, isn't it? That, yeah, um... I think so. Renee Zellweger won for Judy, late leading actress. I, I okay. can't comment. I saw that seen coming, that film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix won for lead actor. No surprises. Not my no pick surprise at all, there. Yeah, I would have given it to DiCaprio or Adam Driver over him personally. But this is where the big surprise happened. Best picture. It's one oh, yeah. of these years. Go on. They do a lot of these weird surprises now. Um, and to be honest, I don't think this is that big a surprise. Everyone online's <laughs> making out like this is a massive whopping surprise. And, oh my god, it's amazing. And I'm pretty sure we said in our diminis- not no, our, our proper episode about the Oscars that if there was going to be an upset and it wasn't 1917, it would probably be... Well, I think it said it would either be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Parasite. And it was Parasite. Parasite won. It is the first mm. foreign language film to win Best Picture at the Oscars ever. It, no, is it? What about The Last Emperor? That was mostly not in English, was it? I don't know. Last Emperor? Just, I'm regurgitating what I've been Something told. Like that. Maybe uh, it's been a while since I've seen that film, but I'm pretty sure it's all in some sort of Chinese. I don't know which one. <laughs> uh, so Parasite won Best Picture. Yeah. And I mean... I liked Parasite. I, oh, you're right. Par- uh, Last Emperor won Best Picture, and it's in no, it's it's in English and Mandarin and Japanese, but presumably predominantly English. I think it's mostly Mandarin, to be honest. I honestly can't remember. It's been ages since I saw it. Yeah, Parasite. I'm we, when we talked about Parasite, we were both pretty much of a mind of don't really get it. <laughs> like yeah, why? I, I mean, I, perfectly I good have... film, but why do people think it's gr- a great film? Yeah, yeah I, not, I think I'm there is a bit of a backlash forming, and I don't think it'll be as severe as the backlash against like La La Land because I don't think as many people will watch it because it's foreign. Yeah, <laughs> I mean subtitle. that's the biggest shock that people actually seen it. Yeah, I but, mean I like uh, the film, but I'll tell you what though. I tell you what, Sol. This is feels like what we talked about last year. Everyone's Book, second or third pick. That because they've switched to AV voting, that's going to throw up these films that are just kind of the one that people don't hate. <laughs> well, I, I thought that would mean 1917 would win, personally. I thought that mm. was the most mainstream, yeah. accessible, easy watch. But I think you're right. I think maybe more people loved Parasite and it was everyone's second or third pick as well. Because, yeah. you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a lot of people really don't like it. The Irishman, a lot Me. of people really don't like it. Joker, mm. a lot of people really don't like it. Jojo Rabbit, a lot of people really don't like it. Ford v Fer- uh, Ferrari, not hugely Bland, impressive. Blandy Marriage Story, I think, is wonderful, but it's kind of a... a I don't know, I, I could see that splitting people depending on their taste. Same goes for Little Women. So yeah, I'm not massively blown away. It won the Palm d'Or as well. and I, th- I think it's something of a pendulum swing happening with the Oscars at the moment as well. I, I think there's a kind of, you know, one year 
moonlight wins and the, the shape of water wins and then it reverts to green book and then it goes back to parasite it's, it's this kind of like battle between the new people that have come in and have started voting and the the old crusty white men and i think we're seeing the dawn of a new academy awards really i, I think it's mm. a good thing and and i think you know if i'm objective about it parasite has resonated with so many people i think it's a worthy win in that regard even i'd love to hear if any of our if any of our listeners would like to throw at us some sort of this is why parasite is great i'd love to hear a couple of opinions because i i mean is there a depth to it that i'm missing because that's why i I don't think so i i i um i've been reading more analysis of the film and i can't really find much about depth it just seems to be people who are like wow it's it's part it's hilarious dark comedy horror heist movie thriller it's like well i don't know where you're getting horror and heist from i didn't find it massively funny like you know it's okay but well that's the oscars another year what are we predicting for next year anyone want to take a stab i think there's going to be some awards uh (laughs) i think there'll probably be a lot of talk about dresses um someone will make a speech uh about uh, orangutans being killed um I think every nominee will be a woman. (laughs) (laughs) There's literally not enough women in Hollywood to achieve that. (laughs) (laughs) Even if they were to. I think uh, Bob's Burgers, the movie, is going to win Best Original Song. (laughs) No, I think Billie Eilish will win for uh, the Bob's Burgers. Oh, shit! Yeah, you know what, James? Right, I think Bob's Burgers, the movie, is going to be nominated for Best Original Song opposite (laughs) No Time to Die, and they're going to duke it out at the Oscars. (laughs) Ha ha ha, Oscars <laughs> Now, as is tradition At these review of the year things now I prepared a little music quiz For us to play Ooh. Oh, I'm quite pleased with this Because we, we actually haven't done a music quiz On this podcast since last year's Review of the year episode I used to do these all the time oh. And I just got bored of it So um, <laughs> this is a throwback hmm. This is part one there's going to be four rounds to this quiz. This is oh, about fabulous. the music of 2020. Uh, round right. one is on film scores. You are going to hear five clips, uh, Alan and Calvin. Okay. I want you to mm-hmm. guess the uh, name the film, if you can, and name the composer, okay. if you can. Both will get you a point. Film and the composer, okay. And as you will hear with all of this game, bear in mind that 2020... Not a lot of stuff actually came out, so maybe I had to kind of pad it out with some other stuff. Just bear that in mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Well, um, do, do we need a buzzer? Shall I get myself an abrasive buzzing noise? Yes, I, I think probably, yeah. Oh, hang on. I traditionally have the sound of a dying giraffe as uh, <laughs> my buzzer. You know it lets you down every time. Yeah. How does this noise strike you? Oh, it's very annoying. It'll do a good job, though. Oh, excellent. That's good. (laughs) I don't know how you can find something so musical. Oh, wait a minute, actually. I've got a a shaker. It's a fork and a mug. (laughs) I've got, like, can you hear this? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Can I go with that? Yeah, go with with that if you want. Okay. Uh, Are you ready, then, for number one? Yes.
So it might not necessarily be a 2020 release. There might be a few curveballs in the mix, but okay. I can tell you that was a 2020 release. Okay. Sounds quite sort of funky, Tron. I thought I gave you quite an easy one to start with, to be honest, but seems to be stumping you. Trying to remember any films that I've seen. I know. I'm trying to think of like an action sort of film and sci-fi, 80s throwback. Was it Sonic the Hedgehog? No, but most of what you guys are saying is accurate. Everything apart from 80s throwback. I don't know. We will be discussing it on this review of the year recording. Calvin? <laughs> is it Wonder Woman? Oh, no, I'm afraid it is not Wonder Woman. We're not discussing Wonder Woman, are we? Unfortunately, not quite. <laughs> what else have we watched? Oh, I know. I... Yeah, Alan? Is it Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said it wasn't an 80s throwback. It's not Sonic, though. It's not Sonic. Sonic oh, is a oh, 90s oh, throwback, oh, for the record. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. Go Hang on. I'm, I'm just going to play it again. Okay, okay. I've got an idea now. Yeah, listeners, Alan is playing the clips due to the uh, technical setup we have today. Normally I would be doing it. I've got it, I've got it. Yes, Alan. Is it Tenet? It is Tenet, congratulations. <laughs> but he didn't name the composer. Yes, uh, uh, can you name the composer, Alan? Um, and if not, Calvin, you have an opportunity to jump in and steal if Alan can't get it. Oh, I feel like I know this, but no, I'm not going to get it going. Cabin? Seriously? <laughs> uh, well, it's Hans Zimmer, obviously. No. What? No, I uh, uh-huh. I, I would like to uh, apologise, actually, because we recorded a full-length bonus episode covering Tenet, uh, available on our Patreon. You will hear a uh, an extended 20-minute or so clip of that episode in next week's Review of the Year uh, episode going out, if you haven't already heard it on our Patreon. Uh, in that episode, we discussed the music, and I did talk about it under the ass- assumption that Hans Zimmer composed it. He did not. For the first time in a long while, uh, Christopher Nolan worked with someone other than Hans Zimmer. It was Ludwig Göransson, who is the guy who did the music on Community and recently became hot shit after doing it for Black Panther. And I think he does The Mandalorian as well. Hmm. Oh, cool. Oh, well, now I feel like an idiot. I thought Alan was just well, being stupid. I mean, not I not to dismiss his work, but it you know it could have been Hans Zimmer very easily. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, next one, Alan. Play the next clip. Oh, oh! Calvin, it's definitely Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, it is Sonic oh, the Hedgehog. That, that is probably my guess. probably my favourite part of the movie, Sonic the Hedgehog. Sega. Is that or- yeah, the orchestrated <laughs> uh, Sega logo at the start of the film as it was uh, introducing us to... Uh, any idea who that was by? Um, um, uh, I shall guess at uh, Steve Mazzaro? No. Alan, okay. want to take a stab? It is a powerhouse composer, very well known. Oh. Hans Zimmer. No, they have worked together oh. though. James Horner. No, no. wait, he's dead. Um... <laughs> is he? Is James Horner dead? Yeah. Oh shit! Breaking news. Yeah. He died like about five years ago, didn't he? I don't know. I... Uh, it's Junkie XL. Oh, mm. that guy. Next one, Alan. 
quiet. Bombastic, wasn't it? Yes. Hmm. I will give you a clue that this is a bit of a curveball, this one. Hmm. Is it a TV show? No. Is it Electric Six? No, no. <laughs> uh, I will give you a clue that the film in question has been mentioned already in our recording today. Cats. No. It is a 2020 <laughs> film. Bad Boys? Three? No. Uh. Do Little? No. <laughs> yeah. So it's something we've mentioned. A huge clue. Uh, the film is not out yet. Oh, is it The King's Man? No. Because that oh. is a 2021 release, Calvin. Oh. Oh, what's coming out this year? <gasps> Wonder Woman. Yes, correct, Calvin. It is Wonder Woman 1984. Mm. Do you know the composer? I shall go with Steve Mazzaro. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alan, want to take a stab at it? <laughs> uh, Trent Reznor. Oh, come on, guys. It's Hans Zimmer. <laughs> oh, oh. Jesus. <laughs> I thought he said he wasn't doing any more superhero films. Uh, next one. film, isn't it? Uh, clue time. This is another curveball. Okay. <laughs> and it is not an animated film. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, Bill and Ted? No. <laughs> <laughs> the, the clue is, I suppose, that uh, this is not a film, it is a TV series. Oh. It is a TV series relevant to Diminishing Returns in that we've kind of delved into... Alien. Hmm. <laughs> you're in the right Predator. ballpark. What have they done a TV show of? Fargo. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to guess you're probably not going to get it. Um, it was a TV show called Devs which is Alex Garland's oh. latest project, which was out earlier this year. I watched it quite recently. It's very good, actually. I really enjoyed it. And that was composed by a guy called Ben Salisbury. Check out Devs. It's really good. Hmm. Uh, one more clip for round one. <laughs> oh. Wasn't expecting it back. <laughs> Right, something with a Scottish. Oh. Now this is also a bit of a curveball. This one. Uh, it's not actually <laughs> film score so much as a piece of music written for a film. Oh, okay. Is it a Scottish film? No. Ooh, ooh. Is it yes, Doctor Doolittle? No, it is not. But mm. I like the thinking there with the uh, bagpipes being <laughs> removed mm. from a dragon's ass. you've obviously heard about. <laughs> <laughs> no? Alan, I, I know that you have seen this film, Alan. But Oh, no, no, I know what it is. Yeah, of course I know what it is, yes. It is Bill and Ted. Face it music. is Bill and Ted, yes. In ah. which they play a bizarre piece of music, which that's is the best their thing. yeah, that's their attempt at writing a song to bring the world together, and it has a bit of every didgeridoo, theremin, bagpipes, <laughs> bit of everything. Uh, it is of course by Wild Stallions. Mm. Uh, I don't know who the actual composer is, so no points available there. Just the one <laughs> <you got. laughs> no one credited. <laughs> they just made it up on the spot, I guess. All right, that's round one. 
Uh, you are both drawing. You've both got two points there. Yeah. So we'll see how that develops. Uh, right. So after the Oscars, Sonic the Hedgehog came out. Sonic was one of the last big films to come out before the pandemic really hit the UK. Mm. I think it was like the third to last film I saw in the cinema. I'm guessing you didn't see this in any capacity, did you, Calvin? Uh, no, I did. I saw it on demand. You uh, saw Sonic? Came... Yes, of course, yeah. Oh my. You demanded it? Right, well, that's a little teaser. First, let's hear what Alan and I made of it, and then we'll come back and ask you about it. Hmm. I'm a big Sonic the Hedgehog fan. Alan is almost completely alien to the franchise. He has no real understanding of it. So that's how we're approaching this film. <laughs> Fanboy and general audience. Yeah. Yeah, and fair enough, I don't really know much about Sonic in yeah, in general. So there was definitely the odd little reference here and there that I was like, oh, that's obviously a game reference. Like what? Okay, so at the end when he's beating, spoiler alert, he's beating Robotnik, he does it by jumping repeatedly <laughs> on top of the ship. <laughs> which I know I remember you do that in the game. That's how you beat it. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say I was blown away by how literal a video game <laughs> adaptation this film is. Because if you've played Sonic the Hedgehog, I mean, it basically is that. There, there's no real third act character arc that you have to <laughs> go through to defeat the bad guy. What actually happens is Sonic just jumps on Robotnik's ship eight times, <laughs> which is the <laughs> correct amount of times to destroy it in the games, and it blows him up. <laughs> I quite like so, that, that they embraced that. I did, I did. They made it feel okay that, you know, that was a perfectly valid way of destroying the ship, you know? It, like, it didn't feel... Yeah, familiar. yeah, yeah. And the, the, I guess in, in that sense, the, the only sort of character arc Sonic has is kind of learning to harness this power. Yeah, that he has. there's there's an arc there for him and uh, for yeah James Marsden. James Marsden, yeah, they both have a bit of an arc in there, so you know it's fine. Yeah, it's not much of an. I just mean it doesn't really tie into the defeat of Robotnik. It's just kind of oh, you could have just jumped on him <laughs> before. <laughs> And James Marsden doesn't need to carry this film. And maybe they were worried, like, we've got Sonic, we need him to be a big character, we've got Carrie doing the bloody Robotnik thing. So maybe they thought, let's go bland in the middle. Yeah, let's let's get a personality sponge to kind of yeah. suck some of that overflowing charisma up. I think the, perhaps the contain. problem with that is that Sonic doesn't particularly bring that much. Yeah, either. well, th this is just it. You know, I think, I think the film would be better if Ben Schwartz was the lead human and James Marsden could just voice Sonic, because Sonic is such a generic nothing character, you know, in that, and that's true to the games. He's not an interesting character and he never has been. He's just a... <laughs> a 90s mascot with sunglasses you know he <laughs> cool dude radical skateboard sunglasses yeah <laughs> he's also completely overpowered they establish very little justification for why he can't just like their, their whole reason for him not just running straight to the city where you know he has to get is that he doesn't know the way so james marston has to drive him there mm. but you know, he, he could just get a sat-nav and say, look, this is how this works, off you go. Because every time there's any sort of threat, they do a, a an X-Men Quicksilver or <laughs> Over the Hedge Steve Carell Squirrel or Futurama Fry Drinking Cups of Coffee style yeah. sequence where things go all slow motion and Sonic just runs around. And he's basically invincible. Yeah. And those sequences are good fun. I mean, they, they felt somewhat, they felt lacking to me, honestly, when you compare them to the sequences I've just mentioned. Exactly. They had the one in the bar fight to set up their idea, and then they have it in the kind of more of the finale to 
where it's used a bit more. But it, yeah, it just felt like, well, I've seen this before. I've seen X-Men, whichever one it was, with Quicksilver. I've seen it before, and I've seen it done better, I think. Because, you know, it's something I'd be happy to watch again, and it's certainly a character that justifies seeing that kind of sequence. But yeah. none of them were particularly fun or Bringing interesting or yeah. exciting. Yeah, I mean, like they were fine, but... Felt like a missed opportunity, I think. Like as a plot line, it, it basically works. It hits all the beats you need it to hit, and it all makes sense. But it yeah. it just felt very basic and Well, you know, yeah. may may I try and put more of a positive spin on this? Yeah, go on. Everything you just said, it works. Uh the plot is there, there's a there's a three act structure, there are character arcs, it works. That alone, I think means this is pretty firmly the greatest uh, video game adaptation to screen of all time. <laughs> I mean, name name a better one. <laughs> well, there's an evil, obviously. <laughs> but I mean, truly, I think this, this is now very firmly the best video game movie that's ever been made, and I'm sure that won't be the case forever. <laughs> Uh, I I will I will concede it is not a particularly remarkable film. There's it is just very basic. It hits the bare minimum of a threshold to work. But I am a Sonic fan, and so I had such a great time watching this film. Like I really loved it. That the thing that did it for me, Alan, is just at the start of the film, Sega have like some movie logo that came up with a load of like footage from House of the Dead and all these other games, as if there's going to be a a Sega, like a whole slew of Sega movies, which I don't think is going to happen. I think they're perhaps overestimating the audience appetite for an Alex the Kid movie, if if, uh, if uh, that's what they think is going to happen. But Sega appeared on screen, and the, the music, the orchestration, followed, and so I went, and I was like, oh my god, it's the little Sega noise, like when you when you turn it on and it would go, Sega! And that that alone just put me in the right headspace. And then we've got this music from um, Junkie XL, mm. which uh, on on one hand was very disappointing. It didn't make use of any famous Sonic themes, which I thought it might. But it was good, fun music that evoked Sonic. And then you just you open, you see Green Hill Zone from Sonic, and like realized in a movie. Where, oh, and then there were just enough little bits of fan service to just keep me so happy, basically. You know, the, the fact that they made use of all the rings and mm-hmm. the ring portals. I mean, it wasn't entirely as they work in the games, but the video games, obviously, Sonic collects rings, and there are giant rings that serve as portals to uh, bonus levels. I, it was just a whole slew of things I thought I'd never see done in a Hollywood film at this level when I was younger. You know, when I was younger, I would have loved this. There's, like, a homeless guy. No, he's not homeless, is he? He's, like, a crazy guy who's seen the Blue Devil and he holds up a drawing of him. And it's Sanic, the internet meme. You know? (laughs) There was just so many little things like that that made me very pleased and happy. And then, you know, appealing to those same childhood nostalgic impulses, Jim Carrey. I mean, I don't know. There's just a pure joy to seeing him playing Robotnik. Like, even if that is not Robotnik in any way, shape, or form as he's portrayed in the games. And even if it is just like a lazy if i was doing an impression of jim carrey like a lazy impression (laughs) do this scene and like jim carrey would do it (laughs) (laughs) okay 
Hey, then. Radio, then. I'm Dr. Robotnik, and I'm here to infiltrate and look around, because I hear there's a hedgehog. It was like, what? <laughs> Come on. Like, I, I, I really thought you might bring something new to this, but no, it's just Jim Carrey on autopilot. Do you know but what? Like, fine. I, don't think, I don't think it's... I enjoyed it. I, yeah, it didn't feel like Carrey on autopilot. He, like, he was going full on. It was like classic Jim Carrey. But Jim Carrey only has kind of so much, like, in his arsenal. And you have to use it. You have to. You need a director who can funnel that into something and, and mould it. And and this just felt like they'd literally let him into a room and say, do whatever you want. You got We've got 10 minutes of filming. Well, I, I mean, I, I was while I was waiting for you to set your stuff up, I was just uh, reading about the production of the film a bit. And that is literally what they did. <laughs> Apparently, the direction for the scene where he's dancing with music was, here's a room, here's the music that's going to be playing, do what you want. Yeah, and I think it feels like that, and that's that's all right, because Jim Carrey doing just improving nonsense is pretty entertaining. We're also 30 years into the Jim Carrey career, and we've seen it all before as well. That's part of the problem. To be honest, it was one of those films which shouldn't be as satisfying for me, mm. and it's almost uh, an, an issue with what Marvel's done to the cinematic landscape, but I think I got more satisfaction out of this film from imagining the potential for a sequel than I actually did out of the film itself. Right. You know, the fact there's like the little coders at the end, oh, Robotnik's actually like gone full-on <laughs> as he appears in the games, you know, crazy, bald, fat guy, Tails has appeared... I don't know. I, I I can't wait to see what they do with it next, but I don't really know why. <laughs> anyway, whatever. I mean, I, I I I liked it. I had a very good time at the cinema. It was solid fun. It doesn't reinvent the wheel, but you know, it, it's a hell of a lot better than anyone really expected this film to be. So you know, it's very much a benefactor of of low expectations. <laughs> but I give it, and I I will acknowledge this is extremely generous. <laughs> And it's a very low one of these, but I give it a 7 out of 10. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. I see I didn't have any of that kind of Sonic fan um, kind of gooiness that you have. I think it's a 6 out of 10 film, and I gave it an extra point for pleasing me. That's basically where I'm at. Mm, well, it's a much more positive view than I had. Because <laughs> I, I found it just totally basic and lacking in personality where that was where it really needed it because it didn't have the plot. So it was disappointing. I gave it four out of ten. Mm. Pretty harsh. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Sonic fanboy. Snoik! Snoik, snoik, snoik! Alright, Calvin. Yes! That was what we thought of it, Alan and I. Alan, grumpy as ever, me more <laughs> positive. Uh, what did you What did you make of it? Well, I'm definitely siding with you on it, Sol. I I was much more <laughs> positive uh, about it. Uh, yeah, no, I I enjoyed it. We saw it on demand because it was one of those films that came on to. Mm. Obviously, it got removed from well, cinemas closed basically, and while the film was, I think it had only been out for a couple of weeks, so it went to the on demand thing much earlier. So did the whole yeah. sort of renting it for. Whatever it was, it was quite you know like fifteen quid or whatever really. But you think well, you'd pay that to go to the cinema, so two for one. You pay that to go to the cinema? Well, it's a two for one. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was actually really good. I think I might have even preferred it to Detective Pikachu, which is <laughs> a comparative. Oh, yeah. uh, I think I I really like Jim Carrey. Yeah, you have a soft spot for what's his name as well, the guy in it, um... James Marsden. Yeah, yeah, I think he's great. <laughs> 
things no one's ever said without laughing. I, I had a much better time with it than I thought I would. Mm. Um, it's all fairly by-the-numbers yeah. stuff for the most part, but yeah. How about Jim Carrey? I liked him an awful lot. I thought he was really good. Yeah, he's putting the effort in. Uh, would you care to rate it out of 10, Calvin? Oh, um, I would give it a 7. A very solid 7. Oh, wow. That's very, very good for you. That's what I gave it. And uh, Alan, I think, gave it a 4 or something. But oh, yeah, <laughs> Of course yeah. he did. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so... That was really our last hurrah with uh, watching stuff in the cinema and talking about it. Then everything got thrown into disarray, but I bet this podcast didn't miss a week, did it? No, it didn't. Just kept going, Mm. trundling on. Four and a half years in. And we did an episode on The Big Lebowski because they were making a Big Lebowski spin-off called The Jesus Rolls. I wouldn't be surprised if you aren't even aware that such a thing happened, Calvin. (laughs) I (laughs) was just about to ask, like, what? Did Jeff Bridges come back? No, of course he didn't. No. Um, It's, uh, what's his name? The Jesus. What's his name? John Totoro. John Totoro is the only, the only actor from The Big Lebowski who's in it, right? Yes. He also directed and possibly wrote the project. Um, Mm. Well, it is, of course, based on a previous Yes. Uh, yes, and uh, in the clip we're about to play, in the original version of the episode, Alan went to great lengths to discuss the original film it's based on. We had a really nice film-heavy chat about French cinema. Uh, that is most of what I took out to bring this down to under ten minutes. So, uh, oh, it's a shame. It's the best. I bit. know. I know. I know. Anyway, let's let's hear what we thought of it. We are here again. This time to talk about the Jesus Rolls. The Jesus. Which yes. is, uh, in theory, a spin-off of The Big Lebowski. Yeah. In actuality, not related to it in any way whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. So we, we covered The Big Lebowski because this film, this film came out and just piqued our interest. It wasn't a big film. It didn't get a, a particularly wide release or anything. It was shot in 2016 and didn't come out <laughs> till what? 2019 officially, but I guess 2020 in most places. Yeah. Well, it only got a limited release in the US full stop. It did get a theatrical release in Italy last year, uh, and everywhere else it's kind of dripping out. I mean, it it went straight to the internet in the UK, so I'm guessing that means uh, Netflix or equivalent. And it's it's an odd thing. It is... It seems to be... It seems to me... This is my reading of it. Because... We were talking about how John Turturro has always been talking about doing something else with the Jesus Quintana character. It's been a real passion project for years, trying to get this off the ground. But yeah, I don't know if that's because he thought, oh, what a great idea, or if it's more like, this is my most iconic, famous character. Well, the the way I read this, the way I read, after having now seen the film, the way I read that is, John Turturro wanted to make a a remake of Live Out Zeus, which is the film that this is a remake of. And he attached the Jesus Quintana thing to get funding. Mm. Because it's easier to sell to someone, like as a distribution company or whatever, or a production company, by saying, oh, look, it's a big Lebowski thing. We can tie it in with that, marketing. Yeah, well, you see, the problem with that is I think he I think he was held up for a long, 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 long while because the Coen brothers didn't want to let him piss around with the character they come up with in their film. But we, we were talking about how John Turturro wanted to do something else with the Jesus Quintana character, and here he's made a film with that character, and it's not even the same character. It's not... I mean, it's it's yeah. not really... It, it, I mean, you could argue that anything you did with that character, because you're tr- making it such a bigger character, is going to make it feel different mm. anyway. 
because that is a character that is based around two minutes of screen time mm. and it works on that level. I think you totally could do a spin-off of it, but it would have to be quite high comedy mm. and probably filmed 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I just... Basically, I don't think he was just using it to get funding because it, using the character held this project up for like 10 years while the Coen brothers were <laughs> like enough. humming and whoring, you know? I, I, I mean, apparently the character of the Jesus was largely based on his own ideas and improv under the direction of the Coens. So, you know, maybe he was just doing it but not being shepherded shepherded in the same way and it ended up being quite different here i mean i i, I can't say he seems remarkably dif- different in this film it's just you only ever see 30 seconds of him in the big lebowski yeah. so the second you begin delving beyond you know the the couple of lines of dialogue he has it, it starts to change your perception of him Obviously, up front, Perhaps. they undo the whole uh, the notion that he's a paedophile. The pederast thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Completely undone. Which, you know, is probably yeah. the right way to do it. If you're doing a film about this guy, you probably don't want him to be a convicted paedophile if you want him to be sympathetic. Well, that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of a central point of the character, though, isn't it? In terms of what little we know about him, that's what we know. And if anything, it would be easier to undo that by the fact that the only the only reference we get for that is Walter, the character, who's deliberately bad-mouthing him. Like, it yeah. could just be a rumour anyway. I don't know. It, it, let's talk about the film in general, because it's not built around the character of Jesus Quintana. It's not, it's not based on, let's showcase this character. I will sing all of the praises I have for it right now which is an amazing cast. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's got Bobby Cannavale, uh, Bobby Cannavale, Audrey Tattoo, Susan Sarandon, plus uh, John Hamm, sort of J.B. cameos, Christopher yeah. Walken, Tim Blake Nelson. I. It feels like a lot of favours were being phoned in. Yeah. From, yes. you know, John Turturro's entire career's worth of favours, basically. Yeah, which is okay. I think that's all right, isn't it? And... Mm-hmm. and I mean, I did make a note that this is the most phoned-in Christopher Walken I've ever seen, and that guy knows how to phone in. I don't think I've ever seen Christopher Walken phone in a performance before. Even in the Country Bears, he was giving it his all. All the cameo little things he does, though. He turns up for No, he doesn't. Balls of Fury, he gave it his all. Terrible, terrible film, but he's there, like, (laughs) going for broke. (laughs) I don't know about that. I think... You watch Christopher Walken and you go, wow, he's doing some really interesting things there. But then you realise, oh no, he's just he just doesn't understand how punctuation works. Uh, and, and it makes it look like he's doing character when he's not. Did you think Christopher Walken was really putting some effort in here? No. <laughs> but that's pretty much the first time... Like I, I've seen a lot of his pay gig, you know, paycheck roles before. And I'm always struck that he brings a lot of energy to it. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, Alan, I, I barely even remember what he was in this film. It's been a few <laughs> yeah, weeks now since I watched it. Uh, a couple of months now. Well, that's interesting. What do you remember about this film? I'd just like to see what kind of sticks in the memory. <laughs> I remember that he gets out of jail and he's in a urinal. <laughs> yeah. And that's where he explains that the whole pedo thing was actually that he was taking it's a, a misunderstanding. He was having a wee in a park or something. It's like in horrible bosses. It's that kind of 
yeah. Uh, I rem- like there's there's like a red room or something, <laughs> quite a dark room. <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of sort of countryside. I mean, it looks like the French countryside, but it's not France, is it? It's um, I mean, I- I'm guessing it's America. Certainly yeah. set in America, but it, it it looks like you know the French. It looks very European, the countryside setting. Yeah, that's pretty much where my memory of the film ends. To be honest, <laughs> that's. I mean, it is a very forgettable film. I think that's the point <laughs> to be making here. But yeah, there's a, a John Turturro character, Jesus Quintana, comes out of prison. He's met by a, an old friend. It seems played by Bobby Cannavale. They kind of accidentally bump into Audrey Tortue, who's some sort of old acquaintance as well. They go on some sort of wacky adventures. They meet up with Susan Sarandon, who is a, a middle-aged lady coming out of prison. As they all sort of have sex with each other quite a bit. Oh yeah, I remember and, that now. Yeah, yeah, lots of sex, and not a lot more really. Uh, and the Jesus rolls. I gave that a four out of ten. Ooh. Yeah, I, I gave the Jesus rolls a three. <laughs> yes, it was it was really poor, wasn't it? It, <laughs> it? I I was expecting more of an overt train wreck, like something more obviously bad, but it was just nothing. Do you know what I mean? It it just like mm. nothing happened. It was just dull and uninteresting and yeah, it is it's a classic example of taking a story, removing all the context and meaning and, and and completely misunderstanding everything about it. Uh, but then, like, going, well, I've given you the same thing. Why doesn't it work? And to be honest with you, it's really kind of reduced my opinion of John Turturro. <laughs> like, not as an actor, but as a kind of a filmmaker. Just I always sort of thought that he's general. creative and uh, probably intelligent. He, he sort of looks intelligent, I suppose. <laughs> so <laughs> I gave him the benefit of that. And now I just think, you just didn't get what you were doing here at all. Yeah. The Jesus, the Jesus <laughs> rolls more like the Jesus. Lucky to get any rolls in a movie after that piece of shit. <laughs> it sounds like you're referring to a pastry or something that you'd pick up from uh, Coupland's or something like that. The Jesus rolls. <laughs> then we did a big Mulan episode, and we covered Mulan and Mulan Two because they were doing a live-action Mulan remake. Uh, none of us bothered watching this in time to do a little <laughs> Patreon uh, diminisode, but that means we get to do it now. I signed up for Disney Plus over the weekend so I could watch it on there. Alan, have did, you watched? Uh, you you of course signed up for Disney Plus too, didn't you, Alan? <laughs> no, I streamed it illegally. <laughs> uh, Calvin, have you seen the Mulan remake? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Oh, um, you let us all down, Calvin. All right, yeah, well, I'm sorry. Uh, Alan and I can discuss it now. Let me let me start with a question. Who is this film for? The Chinese uh, market. Is it? That Hollywood is trying <laughs> to appeal to in the same way that Steve Buscemi in that episode of 30 Rock puts on a backwards cap and holds a <laughs> skateboard and says, Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> but that, because obviously this is set in China, but it's set in like old, oldie worldy China. So... I have no context as if that's anywhere near accurate uh, in terms of a sort of representation of the time. I suspect not, just based on basic facts and knowledge. Yeah. Uh, um, and, you know, it it feels... But, you know, obviously we've gone to a lot of effort here to hire 
people who look like they could be Chinese, which, you know, fair enough. They're all speaking in English, so that kind of, I don't know what the point of it is, really. They're doing ethnic diversity and all that, but it's still just totally trading on a kind of nonsense mythological idea of like old china Ooh, look at china fancy Ooh, look at them doing the martial arts and swords and that but i don't know who who is this film supposed to appeal to well I, I don't know i i said the same thing about this film when we recorded our mulan episode i don't know why they're doing it i don't know who it's going to appeal to i said i don't think it's going to appeal to anyone if I wanted to watch this kind of film, like I'd watch something by Yimao Zhang or like a, a yeah. proper yeah, but Chinese. It's easy enough for you to say that. You know very well that ninety-five percent of your mainstream Disney audience does not think that way. Well, yeah, but then I don't think they're gonna come out for this one either. Do you, do you not? The appeal of a Disney live-action remake is you get some fun out of nostalgically thinking back to a, a classic animated film that you like and you get to relive some of the characters and the songs mm. now this film no songs in it so mm. the only the only thing that makes it disney's mulan as opposed to other generic versions of mulan no one cares about basically are the songs the only other thing that makes it disney's mulan is mushu who is gone completely not even a little cameo replaced no, with some phoenix. bullshit about a phoenix a phoenix keeps turning up so it's mm. not even like they're trying to make the film more grounded and real because there's a fucking magic bird who keeps popping up <laughs> well this is this is an old like uh sort of fairy story folktale kind yeah. of thing isn't it that disney obviously tartar yeah, like like the with original Aladdin and hercules exactly and most so the, the idea thing. is that this is a little bit more close to the original story yeah. i guess i think that's the idea so it's totally different Basically. Look, I basically I think this might be the worst live action Disney remake to date. Ooh. And I think the Lion King pissed me off more because the Lion King is such Wasn't a pedigree. <laughs> well that too. But you know, the the original Lion King is so good, they're like fucking around with something more important to me. But if I if I like had to be subjected to another one of these films on a loop for like the rest of my life, I'd pick the Lion <laughs> King remake over this. At least that film has some fun performances and some songs and stuff. This Mulan, it was just, it was fucking terrible. Like none of it. It's over directed. First of all, over directed. There's like it's trying so hard with all the shots to be like justifying itself as a cool action movie, but then it doesn't work. It's got all these weird wire fighting, like crouching tiger, hidden dragon style. Yeah elements mixed into the action that don't work at all the character of mulan is just nothing the, the, the well, idea none of the characters or anything really well true true the idea that we're supposed to buy that she passes for a man is just laughable <laughs> yeah. um they don't like, even it... hire a sort of slightly androgynous looking actor it's just yeah. very feminine and then they <laughs> tie her hair up and... she never looks like anything other than a woman with her hair tied up and you know what they never they never even kind of like she can't even do the, the men kind of go oh you're so young you're not even shaving yet or like just suggesting that he he could be a boy rather than a man do you know what i mean like it could be yeah. 15 or something like they don't even give us a, a hint of that just to help us through you know? i've seen films and things where women quite effectively portray men it can be done relatively well you know I, I, sarah snook does it really well 
in some time travel film predestination is it and tilda swinton in in the uh suspiria remake plays an old man it's um <laughs> it can be done linda hunt won an oscar for playing a man yeah, yeah. But it was just, nothing about this film works. And all the scenes are shit. All the actions are just, like, boring. It's all staged really badly. And, yeah, like you say, who's it for? What's the point in this film? And I hated it. Well, I'll tell you what. I didn't hate it, actually. Not that it was good, but... I thought it was visually exquisite. Like, they've obviously gone to great effort to put colours in everything. Oh, the Um, colours were nice, but... But it it felt... it looks sumptuous. You know, it really looks nice. It felt very fake, I felt color wise because oh, yeah, the colors were yeah. so vibrant it just felt like i would say stylistic rather than fake but mm. yeah i know what you mean well that's it it didn't feel stylistic to me it felt fake it felt like this doesn't look like a real bit of clothing you would wear it looks like something that's been color graded to the point that it's not real but then the whole film wasn't going for a kind of i don't know i i just like i say i, I didn't like the choice of shots in general i thought the cinematography was just over the top and it was oh, i didn't have a problem with that mm. I just I I really I hated everything about it. And to be honest with you, I found it quite watchable. It it, it held my interest, perhaps a bit more than I expected. Really? That's not it, you know, it, it was basic. You know, the storyline's pretty straightforward. Um but yeah, it, it did just about hold my attention. Like mm. I say, it wasn't I don't think it was terrible. I just don't really I don't know who who would sort of choose to watch it really. Maybe this like, disparity why? is down to the fact that I paid good money to watch this on disney plus and no i did not oh wow did you pay for the thingy um the premium no 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 i i waited until mulan was included as part of the regular oh. disney plus <laughs> subscription and then signed up for disney plus oh so you didn't pay for it you you signed up for the thing but you're going to enjoy many of the things uh, on the well, platform I mean, so far, I'm not having very good luck, because I watched Artemis Fowl earlier, and it was absolute dog shit. Oh, yeah, no, I hear that's terrible. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, I, I probably would have held off till January and signed up when WandaVision came out, were it not for Mulan, so... Yeah. It, I thought it was terrible. I gave it a 3 out of 10. <laughs> I gave it 5. Mm. Like I said, I thought it was actually, you know, nicely put together, and I think it was... Well, Mulan, more like... Let's get down to not watching Mulan. Uh, It's time for part two of our quiz. Round two of the music quiz is part one of the original songs round. This is... What? (laughs) So you're going to hear five original songs written for and included in a film from this year. And then at the end, there is a bonus sixth song, which is not an original song. It is a cover of a song. Mm. By Electric Six. But a new recording <laughs> of a song for a film of sorts. So they, so basically they are original songs from films released in 2020. And I want you to, you get a point for the name of the song, a point for the artist, and a point for the film. Okay. Okay. My head is spinning. It's the beginning of the end. The people freak out when I walk out there. So Yeah. Very late nineties. It's the beginning of the end. The people freak out when I walk out there. So scared. Quite like this song. <laughs> so that song was made in what, nineteen ninety eight, something like that? So how come it's only just been used in a film now? Well, if you guess correctly, it'll probably make sense. 
Oh, uh, it's, a, it's a film that is harking back to the 90s. And I'll give you a clue. It's not McFly or Busted. Oh. <laughs> is it McBusted? No. Is it Union J? <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay, never mind. I don't know. I've never heard that song as far as I can tell. No, me neither. I can take a, a stab at the film. Go on. Uh, Bill and Ted? Correct, Calvin. It is Bill and Ted Face the oh. Music. Oh, Hooray! You haven't even seen it. I know. <laughs> It was just the 90s thing, and as for who sang... Well, those films are from it, the 80s. <laughs> well, I think Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is 1990 or 1991. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Yeah. Who's a young boy band at the moment? There, are there any? Well, you're barking up the wrong tree, because it's actually quite an old boy band. It's To be honest, oh. I think they are the sound that the likes of McFly and Busted were emulating. Boyzone? No. East 17. <laughs> Fallout Boy. Oh, I mean, that's closer, but no. Blink-182. No. I'm actually quite a big fan of them, but it's a bit of a guilty pleasure. I always feel embarrassed to admit that I sincerely quite like them. Hmm. No? No, no. no. you got me, I'm afraid. It's, uh, it's Weezer. Oh, oh. yes. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Would never yeah. have gotten that. <laughs> yeah. And the song is called... Any guesses? This is the beginning of the end, what were they saying? It is called the beginning of the end. Well done, Alan, Yay! that's the point. You're now drawing yes! a Calvin who was beating you. Brazilians. No ideas? No a clue. What language was that? <laughs> I've no idea. It's from a Hollywood American film in the English language, but they just put a foreign song uh, in it. Mm. Over the end credits, Spanish? specifically. Over the end credits. There is a very prominent sample, in fact there's two samples in there, of uh, this series, which will give it away, potentially. Points in the song? Yeah. The main melody is being created from a sample which would give it away if you were able to identify what it is and there's also a little bit of a sample at the very end as it's fading out but i doubt you could hear that all right i'm gonna play it again hang on can i have a guess go on there's something about that whistle is it spongebob Yes, oh. it is. It's well from done, the Spongebob movie, Sponge on the Run. <laughs> that whistle is Spongebob whistling his nose during the opening sequence. Oh, really? They've kind of looped it over and over. It had a kind but of the... piratey whistle. Yeah. At the end of the clip, you can also hear Painty the Pirate going, Oh! Hang uh, on, I'm going to play it. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> very faint at the end. <laughs> um, that is by someone called Taney and someone called Jay Balvin. And it's called Agua. Agua, of course. All right. Next one, Calvin, you are losing by one point, but I think you <gasps> might be about to win that point back. So let's. let's okay. Agua! <laughs> Now, I believe Alan was first there, but he just shouted instead of using his buzzer. 
Oh, so, yes. Calvin, uh, <laughs> if you would like to answer. Oh, I'm so glad. That that was from um, Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire yes. Saga. It <laughs> is um, Husavik, my hometown. Um, Correct. It is sa- sung by Rachel McAdams' character, though technically that version that you played is not sung by her. Um, she sings a version of it earlier on in the film, but not that one. I don't know the name of the singer, though. Can you give me the other singer on that track? Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that. Uh, it's, it's Will Ferrell and someone calling themselves My Marianne, who is, uh, yeah, the singing voice of Rachel McAdams' character for much mm. of that film. All right, I love Calvin that song, yes. has but, just stormed ahead. Uh, yes, but Calvin, did you watch Rachel McAdams mime to that song several times from no more than 10 metres away? <laughs> no, you did not. So who's the real winner here, eh? Oh, yes, you did. Of course, I forget you're in the film, even though I've seen it five times. <laughs> and every time you, I see you in it, I'm like, that's my friend. <laughs> and then people are like, what? Well, Rachel McAdams. No, 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 no. <laughs> the other one, what, Will Ferrell? No, 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 no. Oh, we've passed it now. We've got to go back. Okay. Oh dear. All right. Let's let's enjoy the rest of that that stirring song. I have the the album. <laughs> oh yeah, you still buy like physical CDs half the time, don't you? Yes, I like to own media. Calvin, when you sing along to that song, do you do the Icelandic bits? Uh, I, yes, but I don't purely no, phonetically. I just speak gibberish. I don't want a rift, but it's time for you to tell me the location of the gift. See, I am a legend, and I always win. The stars and the cosmos they bow to my whim. Come on, Chin, I'm running out of time. I'll keep you here forever till you give me what is mine. Hey, boy, don't you hold back? If you do, you'll get your crease. Another 90s one from Nickelodeon, hasn't it? Yeah. It sounded like it would be on a Disney film, but like a sort of a, a Disney Channel original movie <laughs> from like <laughs> 2002. Um, hmm. This doesn't, it doesn't sound like something I would watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be Bad Boys, would it? No. Okay. No. I mean, that sounded like... It was like that was the character singing. Like it sounded like it was in first person. Yes, you are you are quite correct, Alan. It is from a musical. Oh Christ, it's cats, isn't it? I would say that <laughs> is by far the best song in said musical. Uh which speaks more to a fairly mediocre um selection of songs rather than anything else. Yes, Calvin? Uh, uh cats? No. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Nothing that good in cats. This is Jellicle Cats, this is Jellicle Cats, this is Jellicle Cats, and Jellicle Cats. Well, I mean, it's probably... (laughs) Sorry. You're probably not going to guess it then. Uh, It's from a film called Over the Moon, which is a a Netflix Netflix trying to get in on the animation game. They put a fair bit of money into this animated musical it was yeah yeah it was god that came and went really quickly uh yeah the song's called hey boy and it was performed by philippa sue and robert g chu Mm. all right next should i ask myself in the water what a Oh, 
Alan. Oh. Can I go Mulan, please? Yes, it, yes, it was Mulan. Damn it! <laughs> I was so close to buzzing in. <laughs> by far, by far and away, the best part of that film, if you ask me, is this song. Uh, any idea who sang that? Uh, I'll bet lots of money that it's not a Chinese person. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think know. I know. Oh, Christina Aguilera. Cal- oh, <laughs> yeah, it is. Well done. Yeah, Yay! it is. Coming back from the original <laughs> film to do a new song. Any idea what the song's called? Uh, reflections? No. <laughs> we'll tell you what. Um, maybe if you listen to the rest of the clip, you'll be able to Ooh, okay. take a stab at that. Calvin, do you know what it's called before Alan has a chance? Is it called The Armour Inside Me or something like that? <laughs> no, okay. I'm afraid not. Right, let's hear the rest of it and then see if you can figure it out. Is it Loyal, Brave and True? Uh, it's Loyal, Brave, True without and. I will accept that, yes. Yay. <laughs> All right, Alan, you are now in the lead by one point. <laughs> and we are, this is the final uh, song in this round, the bonus cover song. Okay. This is a cover song. So hang on, yeah, just explain what this last one was. Same thing, but it's not an original song. It's a cover of a song mm. that existed before the film. So it's a cover of a song that was in a film, not... So no, no, it's a song was made, someone covered it and then put it in a film. Or it was a song in a film and someone's covered it. The first one. <laughs> okay. The other ones were songs written specifically for films this year. This is a song that existed, but the new cover performance of it was for a song from the, uh, uh, for a film this year, okay? Okay, ready. All right. This is electricity. <laughs> it is electric six, yeah. And this was in a film. You careful. penis in there <laughs> okay <laughs> says more about you than anything else Alan. uh yes that was electric six well done you get a point for electric six i'm not giving you a, a bonus electric six uh extra points like i have in the past um <laughs> any idea what the song was or who the original artist were or even I didn't what... recognize the song no not a clue no uh it's just what i needed by the cars Oh, I thought it was just what a penis. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that was performed in Electric Six Live from Quarantine. <laughs> that well-known 2020 film. <laughs> okay, so Alan, you are winning. You've wow. got eight points. Calvin, you've got six. So hmm. we'll see where it goes. We're only halfway through the quiz. Uh, we will be playing two more rounds in the quiz next week on Review yes. of the Year 2020 Part 2. Mm. Uh, we will also be covering a whole load of big, you know, big movies. Tenet, Bill and Ted, Mank. It's going to yeah. be good. Hmm. See you next week. Yeah. All right. Enjoy your Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when by the next time you hear us, it won't be Christmas anymore. Yeah, so no. Merry Christmas. We'll have opened our presents. 
It'll still be the 12 days of Christmas, won't it? Oh, we'll be eating oh, leftover no, the trouble turkey. is, we're going to be in that period between Christmas and New Year, which means Calvin will be hungover. <laughs> we won't be able to <laughs> be able to uh, engage on the same level. You, you, you say it like it's just me. This is a fairly common... Uh... Well, I'm not going to be hungover. So... Well, no, no. You, you've never been hungover. Yeah. God, you've never been hungover. Soul's going to be drowning in apple sours or whatever it was. <laughs> in, in what? Oh! What Amaretto was sours. That was that's it. My new, that's my new drink. I made one the other day. I had to whip up an egg and everything. It was, uh, it was good. Hmm. Separate oh, the yolk from the white. Very nice. Did you do it in the eggshell? Like a proper chef. Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. I'm a bit funny with raw egg. I was on a work trip in France once and um, I made the mistake of ordering a starter which was, I, I, I just recognised the word oof on the menu. <laughs> so I was like, huh, well, I like eggs. And then it came and it was, it must have been, it was like, it was, I, I don't think it was cooked at all. It was like it was just cracked in a slightly warm bowl. And that was it. And then it was just presented with something on top and I had to eat it because I was in a work thing and it was really uncomfortable. Did it dribble down your chin as you tried to suck it up? Uh, no, it didn't actually. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was not nice. <laughs> Did you hear that the star of Michael Bay's Transformers, the first one, has been cancelled because he th- threw an egg at his ex-girlfriend? Oh. Shia Lob. Oof. Oh. Right, I'm leaving. <laughs> Oof. Uh, I should be joking about that because he was actually very abusive, which isn't funny, is it? This is this is the sign off for Christmas. <laughs> Happy Christmas, everyone. Happy, Happy Christmas. Egg.